0: Through the storms, Lord, through the storms, Lord, you are Lord of all. And I pray that we might know this morning that you are indeed Lord of our lives through the storms that we face. In your precious name, amen. I actually wasn't supposed to be preaching this morning. There's a long story behind that. My son, Mark, was supposed to be preaching, but the poor boy. Is rather sick, and uh, I actually prepared this message a few months ago. Well, I prepared most of the message a few months ago, and I was waiting for an appropriate time in order to preach it. And so, when your fun, son phones you and says, "I can't preach," uh, this message is for such a time this. What I didn't know at the time when I prepared this two months ago, I didn't know how well it was going to intersect with Psalm 73 which Simon so beautifully preached for us last week. So it was certainly no chance chance that I'm preaching here this morning and I hope that you're going to see that this is such a beautiful dovetail with what Simon preached last week. So there's my title for you. Life is so unfair, isn't it? Maybe I could add a little word to it, Christian life is so unfair. Most of us have had a day or days where something happened where life changed forever. Most of us have had day or days where, 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 where actually we wish we probably weren't born. That day came for Bonnie when after her preschool Daughter Caitlin had a seizure, she was diagnosed with Batten's disease, a rare and congenital degenerative neurological disorder, a disease where the muscles start to petrify and they become hard like stone and she would eventually die from not being able to breathe or swallow. Caitlin's mother Bonnie is a Christian and she drenched her bed with tears she had beat her fist on heaven's door, asking the owner of heaven to give her bread. She attends a church full of godly Christian people. The church prayed. Other churches prayed. They prayed for wisdom. They prayed for strength. They prayed for comfort. But more than anything else, they prayed that God would heal Caitlin. And God said no. God said no to that prayer. And Caitlin died. Next door to Bonnie, Caitlin's mom, lives a non Christian couple and they've just won the lotto. They didn't need the money, their house was paid off. So the $600,000 lotto was a real bonus on an already comfortable retirement cake. Next door Christian Bonnie, little Caitlin, is dying and is now dead. Christian life is just so unfair. And there seems to be a lopsidedness and a randomness to life's distribution of windfalls and pitfalls, doesn't there? Who will get sick? Who will get rich? Who will be beautiful? Who will be disfigured? Is there any sovereign logic to any of this? But sometimes the more troubling, more puzzling, the lopsidedness doesn't seem to be that random. Actually, it seems to be calculated. It's like a cosmic booby-trapping of someone's life. John is a Christian man. He loves the Lord. He works hard as a tradie. Work is plentiful, but he's always struggling to pay his debts because people pay him, don't pay him on time. Due to the late income, he's always needing to make extensions on his payments. He's paying unnecessary interest. Now his rental is up for sale and he can't afford another rental in the exorbitant prices. Disaster just seems to lay an ambush for this man. And if that was not hard enough, his wife has now left him for another man. His children are struggling and just everything seems to break. It's like a plague of Exodus for him. It's gnats, flies, locusts, and frogs. It's one after the next, swarming, attacking, pestering, devouring. But his tradey friend Peter, a non-Christian, is a little bit like Pharaoh in Egypt. He neither knows the Lord, neither loves the Lord, but he's riding the wave of tradey success so much so that Peter is taking a three-week Bali holiday in a five-star. Barley Resort, making an extension to his home, and has no problems in the world. Christian life is so unfair, isn't it? The psalmist in Psalm 73 knew the experience, and he wrote about it with refreshing and somewhat disarming frankness. Surely God is good to Israel, to those who are pure in heart. But as for me, my feet had almost slipped. I'd nearly lost my foothold. Why? Because I envied the arrogant and I saw the prosperity of the wicked of those who do not know God. They don't have struggles. Their bodies are healthy and strong. They're free from common burdens. They're not even plagued by human ills. And going down to verse 13, surely in vain I've kept my heart pure and I've washed my hands in innocence. But you see, for me, all day long, I've just been afflicted and every morning just seems to bring new punishments. Christian life is unfair. Jane and Betty are twin sisters. Jane is a Christian and Betty is not. Their father dotes on Betty and is clearly his favorite. Betty is intelligent, beautiful, witty, and she knows it. Everything that Betty does turns to gold. And she is somewhat praised and prized like an Olympic gold medalist. Christian Jane is plain, average, largely ignored by her father and can do no right. Christian life is just not fair. We can identify with the elder son in the parable of the prodigals, can't we? In Luke 15 when the oldest son is angry at his father because for him it seems like his righteousness is not rewarded, but the sin of his younger reprobate brother is. I mean, Christian life is just not fair. I guess it's a little bit like the missionary that gives up his whole life to go and look after little children in a Chinese orphanage. He retires to a mediocre retirement, then then is diagnosed with cancer and dies, and nobody knows about it. Yeah, it's not fair. And when we look at some of the life stories in the Bible, I mean, Christian life is just not fair. Did you see it in Genesis chapter 4? Take a look at verse 8 again. Such a familiar story, but it's so easy to miss the unfairness. Now Cain said to his brother Abel, let's go out to the field. But while they were in the field, Cain attacked his brother Abel and killed him. Abel is righteous. Cain is unrighteous. It's the unrighteous that kills the righteous. It's so unfair. But what comes next in the story is shockingly unfair. Pick it up from verse 11. God says to Cain, you're under a curse. You're driven from the ground, which has opened its mouth to receive your brother's blood from your hand. When you work the ground, it will no longer yield its crops for you. You'll be a restless wanderer on the earth. Cain says to the Lord, my punishment is more than I can bear. Today you're driving me from the land and I'll be hidden from your presence. I'll be a restless wanderer on the earth and whoever finds me will kill me. What does God do? God says, no, 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 it's not so. Anyone who kills Cain will suffer vengeance seven times over. Then the Lord put a mark on Cain so that no one who found him would kill him. And so Cain goes out from the presence of the Lord and lived in the land of Nod to the east of Eden. God shows extraordinary protection, even grace for Cain. Cain is never referred to in positive terms in the Bible. John says in 1 John 3:12 do not be like Cain who belonged to the evil one and murdered his brother and why And why did he murder him? Because his own actions were evil and his brothers were righteous. Cain murders his brother and God protects him from being murdered by others. Where's the fairness? Where's the justice? Abel is not protected by the Lord and the Lord protects his killer. We sort of get Psalm 73, don't we? we? For I envied the arrogant when I saw the prosperity of the wicked. So what's the use of being godly? If God's going to protect the ungodly in their weakness, why be pure? Why be godly? Why be righteous? Why try and obey? I mean, there's no justice against Cain. There's no capital punishment. There's no eye for an eye. There's no jail terms. I mean, how embittering for Abel's family. This is like a cold-blooded killer just walking out of court free. You see, when you look at life through the eyes of Christianity, When you truly look at life through the eyes of Christianity, where the righteous are murdered, the godless are protected, there are genocidal despots who live in luxury, little girls die, hard working Christian men go bankrupt, swindlers keep swindling, warlords get richer, and the poor have to scavenge in the bin. It's all too easy to become a little bitter, isn't it? It's all too easy to become a little bit like Psalmist 73. And as Simon said to us last week, it's all too easy then for the doubts to come in. The doubts to come and steal in. I mean, is God really that good? God is good. Really? Really? Surely. Surely goodness and mercy doesn't follow me all the days of my life. And just maybe I won't make it to the house of the Lord. Let's stay with Genesis chapter 4. Pick it up from verse 2. Later she gave birth. This is backing up. Later she gave birth to his brother Abel. And Abel kept flocks and Cain worked the soil. In the course of time, Cain brought some fruits of the soil as an offering to the Lord. And Abel also brought an offering, fat portions from some of the firstborn of his flock. The Lord looked on favor on Abel and his offering. But on Cain and his offering, he did not look with favor. So Cain was very angry and his face was downcast. And so the Lord says to Cain, why are you angry? Why is your face downcast? God says to angry Cain, do what is right and you will be accepted. Cain knows what is right, doesn't he? He knows what is right. He knows from the skins of animals that God made for his parents in Genesis 3.21, he knows that bringing a blood sacrifice was the right thing. He knew that in order to be accepted by God, there needed to be the the blood of something that dies in your place so that you may again take from the tree of life. You see, Cain's sacrifice was a sacrifice of self-righteousness. This is not about meat-eating versus vegans. It's not like God accepts carnivores, but he doesn't accept vegans. It's about knowing how sin is atoned for. It was sin that stopped Adam and Eve from reaching out again to the tree of life. It is is sin that needs to be atoned for. And the blood of the animals pointed forward to the serpent crusher who would come and one day give his blood that the serpent himself may be drowned in that blood. You see, what Cain does is Cain brings the fruit of his own work. Abel... Brings the fruit of God's work. This is Cain. This is, this is Cain working for salvation. It's Abel resting for salvation. But how unfair. Abel does the right thing and is killed for it, Cain does the wrong thing and is protected for it. You see, God accepted Abel's sacrifice. But that acceptance did not mean protection from a malicious, angry, murderous blood brother. God's blessings and favor in Christ does not mean protection from from bankruptcy, from sickness, from betrayal, from violence, from abuse, from disease, from favoritism, from racism. Don't we all wish that we could all walk with God for 300 years like Enoch in Genesis chapter 5 and then just get whisked up, off to heaven and miss death, right? But we forget how long did he live? 300 years. Do you think he had any suffering in 300 years? But can I just add another discombobulating dimension if I can? It's my favorite word of the moment. Discombobulating. There doesn't just seem to be an unfairness between how God treats Christians and non-Christians, but God certainly doesn't treat all Christians the same way either, does He? Mary goes to church every single Sunday. She sits in a church pew, in a church row. Sits there every Sunday in jealousy, envy, and despair. Mary was ill-treated as a child. She was ill-treated by her husband who claimed to be a Christian. And then after a number of miscarriages was told that she couldn't have any children. She's got a dead-end job making ends meet, And every single Sunday she has to sit in church and watch happy kids with happy parents running around the church, finishing the race. It's not fair, Lord. It's not fair. Tom and Jane are two Christians. They've got four children, two boys, two girls. They weren't perfect parents, of course, but they sought to raise them in the ways of the Lord. They prayed constantly for God to have mercy on their souls. And when each of the four children reached adulthood, they all walked away from the faith into self-absorbed narcissism and have never come back. They're in the same church as James and Helen They're friends with James and Helen. James and Helen are Christians. They've got three boys and all three boys walk with the Lord and love the Lord. Tom and Jane sit in church every Sunday looking at James and Helen with envy and jealousy. It's not fair, Lord. It's not fair. They get three Christians. We get four reprobates. What's the difference between Cain and Abel? What's the difference? Faith. What's the difference between a Christian and a non-Christian? Faith. What's the difference between a Christian and a Christian? Nothing. They both have faith. You see, faith in Jesus is not a safety card. Faith in Jesus is a unique life card. To keep trusting in Jesus to finish the race is to continually give ourselves, our lives to Jesus. To keep entrusting him with the first fruits of our riches. To entrust our children, entrust our homes, even when our children walk away from the Lord. Even if we're stricken with MS, Parkinson's, PSP, bankruptcy, or we lose a home in the fire. We'd all like to think that having faith in Jesus means that God would stay His hand of illness and injury and disease and death from us until our dying day and all our loved ones. But that's just not the way it works. We'd like to think that if we have faith in Jesus that all criminals would be brought swiftly and severely to justice. We'd like to think that little Caitlin's would be healed and little Caitlin's would grow up and at 23 would be married and have three children and bury her own parents and then at the age of 99 just pass away in her sleep into the loving arms of Jesus. I need you to hear my heart and you need to hear the heart of the Lord Jesus for you this morning. You need to open your heart, brother and sister, your faith in Jesus is a beautiful gift of grace, which will one day give way to the salvation of your soul when Jesus appears and raises us up from the dead. But your faith in Jesus is a unique, distinct journey carved out for you before the beginning of time. Have you ever looked at your fingerprint recently? Every human fingerprint is what? It's unique. There are no two fingerprints the same. There are no two lives the same. There are no two Christian lives the same. There are no two non-Christian lives the same. But the difference between the Christian and the non-Christian is that our eyes are opened to the unique fingerprint journey God has for us, that we are ever only in the Lord's hands. And God is leading us by His Spirit within us, sometimes leading us into green pastures sometimes leading us into the valley of the shadows of death but always for the sake of righteousness and god is always leading his children home christians understand that life is not about fairness it's about what it's about acceptance christian life is about accepting that we belong to god the ones he loves It's not about being spared from a difficult or an untimely death. It's actually being spared from the second death. It's being spared from the death of unbridgeable separation. The death that is once coldness and burning, oblivion and torment, a writhing crowd of teeth gnashing, and a desolation of undying alone. But because of Jesus, we have received unmerited... Mercy and grace. To trust in Jesus is not to have all of life's darknesses and storms remedied now. It's all about Jesus redeeming all brokennesses and sicknesses and sufferings which is better by far. Faith in Jesus is trusting that the one who died redeems all unfairness, redeems all brokenness, redeems all disease and death, and one day God will give us back the years that the locusts have eaten. You see, because today what Jesus says is He says to repentant thieves, to trusting ables, to dying little children, to the brokenhearted, to the widowed, the orphan, the childless, the sick, the divorced, the used... Jesus says to you today, today, well, maybe today, but you will be with me in paradise. One day, maybe even today, you will be with me in paradise. You see, ultimately we are citizens of heaven and we await a savior from there. But meanwhile, if I could use a little phrase from C.S. Lewis, Meanwhile, in the shadowlands. We live in the shadowlands. And to live in the shadowlands is to walk by faith, not by sight. You see, those who walk by faith, not by sight, discover that life doesn't get simpler, doesn't get easier. It actually gets harder. Safe? Who said anything about being safe? Fair? Who said anything about being fair? One writer said this, he said, if we walk with our Lord, sorry, quote, life with God is something of a wild wilderness, but if we walk by faith and don't faint, we will find what Job did when he said, though he slay me, yet will I praise him. You see, if we walk with the Lord through the valley of the shadows of death, we will find that our Lord is infinitely better than those safe, dull gods who seduce us with false comforts, spinning a cocoon around us that doesn't protect, which only entraps. And when we emerge, we just come out wingless anyway. Remember I told you about Bonnie and the little girl Caitlin earlier? Here's what she wrote. Here's what she wrote just before Caitlin died. God is doing a mighty work through my little girl. Why she has to be sick for it to happen is not for me to understand. All I know is that out of her life Jesus Christ shines, and those that dare to get close to her cannot help see it. This sickness is not unto death, but for the glory of God, that the Son of God may be glorified through it. Life isn't fair. But for those who walk by faith in Jesus, from the Abels to the Abrahams, to the Caitlin's and the Bonnies, for the John and the Janes, for the for the Marys, for the you, for the me. We will ultimately sing, won't we, it is well? It is well with our souls. Was it fair that God gave his righteous son? For the unrighteous like you and me, was that fair? Was it? Was it fair that wicked man put to death the darling of heaven, Jesus Christ, the glorious Son of God? Was it fair? But you see, God has stepped down into the unfairness, hasn't He? He's embraced that unfairness. So that one day all will be made new. All will be made right. All will be made good. Listen again. The cross does not heal all our infirmities and sicknesses now. The cross redeems them all. And what that means is that, yes, two things. One, our suffering is not random. Our sufferings are not lucky lotto. It's not chance, chance. But it does mean that the cross, the cross means that all our suffering will not have the last word. It will not. The cross means that for those who believe in Jesus, one day every 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 tear will be wiped from our eyes. There will be no more death or mourning or crying or pain because the old order of things will have passed away. Let me close with a few words from Psalm 73 again. And here's what the psalmist, a man of faith, in the midst of envy, in the midst of jealousy, in the midst of bitterness, in the midst of resentment, in the grip of a fair Lord. He writes this. Yet I'm always with you. And you hold me by your right hand. You guide me with your counsel, and afterwards you will, you will take me to glory. Whom I have whom have I in heaven but you and, and the earth has nothing I desire besides you. Yes, that my flesh and my heart may fail, but God is the strength of my heart and my portion forever. Without faith in Jesus, without faith in Jesus, it is impossible to please God. Do you know that? You cannot please God without faith in Jesus. So would you run the race? Would you put your faith in Jesus and run the race until the very end? Because those who stand firm and run to the end, they will be saved. They will be saying. And we're not going to sing as we close. But I am going to play for you a video song. I want you to sit. Listen to the words. Pray. Reflect. It's a song by Casting Crowns called Scars of Heaven the storms of life Jesus Christ is Lord take a listen and I'll close at the end if I had only known the last time